Welcome to Be A Bigger Fish, the podcast that explores the power of podcasting. This is our second season in which we're taking a closer look at in-house podcasting. So that's audio content created by professionals in communications and other sorts of roles inside or for organisations. And for episode two, I'm really pleased to say I got the opportunity to record a conversation with Keith Lewis. Keith is social media manager at Zurich Insurance in the UK. And outside his day job, he's a podcaster. He's got some brilliant ideas for in-house podcasting based on his experiences in both parts of his life. So listen in for Keith's views on how to find niche audiences to test out audio content with. He also talks about the challenges of distributing podcast content in-house, and he's got some excellent top tips on starting your own cost-effective in-house podcast. This is such helpful content, so let's get into the conversation. I'm really happy to have a chance to speak with Keith today. So Keith, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. Looking forward to it. Excellent. So would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Great. So my name is Keith Lewis. I'm social media manager at Zurich Insurance here in the UK. I'm obviously a, a global Swiss insurance company with all the, the fun and games that goes with that. Um, I'm based down on the south coast between Portsmouth and Southampton. Um, but I find myself traveling um, all over the country, talking to employees, meeting colleagues, meeting different teams to try and get them to be more social because that's part of my my drive. Is obviously, we've got social media channels, um, but empowering our people to get out there and be more social and more professional themselves in whatever space they want to be is a, is a key part of what we do because we all know for those of you working social that um, branded channels are becoming less visible by virtue of the algorithm so we have to find new ways of um, getting people switched on and engaged with content brilliant that sounds like a really interesting job yeah it's, yeah. it's certainly varied and it's uh, um, got lots of different uh, bows to it the, the, the challenge is always finding the focus for the thing that will do um, that do the best for the firm yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As well as working in communications, um, like I do, we have another commonality that I want to surface straight away. And that is that you are a podcaster. Yes, indeed. Would you like to tell us about your podcast and how you got into podcasting? Yeah, so um, that the previous spiel was more about work. Um, my other world outside of family is um, a rugby referee been refereeing for 20 odd years um, got to a pretty good standard on the field. Um, and then about five, six years ago, realized that I was never going to make the next step into the, the premiership in, the, in in England. So I took a step back, but then got an opportunity to get into te- television match officialing. So I, I'm a TMO as well. Um, so at that sort of time, I set up a website called rugbyreferee.net because I was, I was continually frustrated about the content thing. As a referee, I couldn't go anywhere to find stuff. So I set up the referee website um, and sort of built it from there um, to help both referees develop themselves, um, then also to help the rugby population to understand a little bit more about refereeing, to find out information about refereeing, about the laws and things like that. So it came with a two-pronged approach. And as doing all that um, and work, the podcasting started to become more more prevalent out there. So um, it started to be, and I got this little thing in my head that as I was listening to people talking about podcasting, I was thinking, this is what I do. I'm listening to podcasts and I can't find one for refereeing. So I just started it. I prevaricated in the usual way for about um, a year and I listened to all the podcasts about starting a podcast like this one. Um, And eventually I just got fed up of telling myself I should do something and I got my phone out and 
press the button. So I started um, the Advantage Over podcast. I'm going to say two years ago now. Um, the problem I've had with it is consistency, which is always the problem. Been a bit more consistent this year with it. So we're up to about um, 17 episodes now. Um, and just building that through, but it's certainly a, a growing niche for 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 me. I'm thinking about as as referees, we're lonesome people. We go to matches on our own, so we spend a lot of time in the car getting to our games, and then we do the same on the way home. We don't really have that community side of it. So I thought let's create something for referees who can listen to on the way or on the way home from a match, um, and then we start to, to see where it goes. So that's going pretty well at the moment. Brilliant. And I think you made two really excellent points in there, actually. One is about if you're interested in something that tends to be different from all the other people in your immediate proximity, podcasting is such a perfect solution to Mm. unite you with other people who have the same interest. And I know from the people I spoke to in season one, some of the people with the most successful podcasts had found that niche Mm. where there was interest globally, but not necessarily um, locally. And they suddenly connected this global community around this very niche interest. So I think it's a fabulous medium for doing that. Sure. And and that's a great point to join those two things together. So I obviously started the podcast from a rugby perspective, but then from a work perspective, the challenge that we have within Zurich within the UK, which will be reflected by other listeners, I'm sure, is that we've got lots of different parts of the business in lots of different locations. Just in the UK, there's, we've got 12 or 13 different sites, part of a global 126 country operation all around the world and finding ways of getting our internal comms together, finding a way of telling our stories through those channels, but then also how do we play a part of the global community and all those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's a real role for podcasting in that in that kind of arena. So the other thing you said that was interesting was that you struggled with consistency. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um. So with all the different things in my life, so I've got um, I'm married with two kids. Somehow those two things that still keeps going on. She's still <laughs> we're still together and it's, it's great. But life just takes over. We've got a full time job. Um, we've got family and life, home life to deal with. I've then got the website, which still runs. I've been generating an audience for that over the last six or seven years. So I'm getting um, now my numbers are going up. So and if I don't do the appointments post on a Thursday, I get emails and contacts from people saying, when are the appointments out? So I've got that, which is a core part, and it's just finding the time to slot the podcast into. So in my head, I listen to all the the advice about batching or lining people up so that you've got all the content. I just haven't managed to make it work because generally I've got a couple of windows during any given week where I can dedicate to rugby referee content, which is my Tuesday night because my wife teaches some classes on a Tuesday night. Once the boys are in bed, that's my time. So I've got to use that time quite effectively. Um, And if something just doesn't happen or I can't line up an interview or I can't think about how to sit and do a podcast, um, then it kind of pushes off to the next week and then it becomes a two-week gap. Then it becomes a three-week gap. And I'd always said at the start that I was going to try and do it every two weeks to give me that bit of leeway. And I'm not far away. This season's not been too bad. Rugby season. Um, I've not been too bad, it's roughly every two weeks. Um, and then I'd lined a piece of content up. I knew what I was going to do a couple of weeks ago. And then the reason for doing it on that time was delayed. So then it became a three-week window. So I think I'm still struggling with that. But what I am doing is taking the learning from that and thinking about how I do that from a work perspective. Because if we're going to do a podcast in an internal perspective, which we're thinking about and, and doing some th- the work around it, is what do we learn from that? Because there's no point creating an audience and getting people expecting something if you then don't deliver on it it's kind of expectation management 
it's taken me six years from a web content perspective on that appointment stuff to get to the stage where people are saying, where is it? I'm waiting for it. It's a Thursday night. I need to know what's going on. The audience clearly does, once you start to appear, they keep appearing and they, you need to manage that expectation. I think that's an excellent point. And uh, you know, both from the perspective of taking that learning from your personal podcast interest into your in-house planning process. I think that's a really, really good point. And also just that it takes time. It's not beyond anyone's capability to learn how to podcast, but it does take time. So, you know, it's something that has to be planned around. Um, definitely, I would say. And I'm, I'm a little bit of me still a bit maverick when it comes to planning, <laughs> is that if there's an opportunity to do something, create some content, don't not do it because it's not on a plan. So you've got an event or somebody turns up to speak unexpectedly or you're in a room and you go, oh, that was really good. Can we do that again? On Can we record that so we can use it? Do it so you've got the content. Um, and so having talked about planning and consistency, if you've got good content and there's a route and there's a channel for you to put it on, don't not do it because you haven't got a plan is, is my sort of view, which I know is very uncomsy. No, that's a brilliant point. Absolutely. And, you know, tap into creativity when it happens completely. Mm. Um, th- that's the great thing about audio. You can capture things absolutely in the moment with a minimal amount of equipment. So, you know, it's one of its benefits, definitely. And, and you just mentioned equipment. Equipment is the one thing, isn't it, that everyone gets so hung up about. And I do. The, I now do this as part of my training when I go out and talk to um, employees about social media. So get your phone out, um, find the video button and press record. Mm-hmm. Tell me Tell me your name and address what you do and what, you, what you've been doing this week and then press stop. They do that. They've just created video and they've created audio. It's that easy. Was it an Oscar nominee last year was shot entirely on an iPhone? I said, if it's good enough for the Academy, then it's good enough for us. So you've got the tools now. A kit is not the thing to get upset about. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and going back to when you started out in podcasting, how what kind of kit did you have to get going and, and how has that evolved over time? It, not, nothing much has changed since I started, really. Um, I obviously did all the research and I bought um, a, a Time mic, iPhone mic for that purpose. I use an old um, iPhone for the stuff I do out and about, which has worked really well. I did a, an interview with Craig Joubert, who's a World Cup referee now involved in world rugby, um, using a tie clip on my old iPhone at Twickenham out the back of a out the back of a uh, competition when there was a sevens match going on so it works um when i'm doing stuff from home i've I've kind of got a, a sennhauser headset and i've also got a, a blue yeti usb mic but generally that's all i've used i don't do too much for there I've, I've bought a pop filter for that other one mm. um, but the equipment's there and i've used audacity from the start that was one of the things i was more worried about well not so much the getting the audio file is how to turn it into a thing that people will listen to right. and so i spent a bit of time just going through the the audacity tutorials and, and using that um i built a sort of intro and an outro just to get the process bit right so that i've now got my template but that was the, one of the first things i did because i wanted it to have a, a feel to it, a regular feel to it i'm um, just to, just to kick things off so if you listen to any of the advantage over podcasts it's that's the the intro and the outro that i recorded on before i started um and, and do that but certainly there's no tech involved i'm um, less than 20 quid for the the mics I, I even think i got the, the blue yeti was in a car phone warehouse discount bucket at the time but on 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 that that mics thing i was in car phone warehouse the other day in the the, 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 the supermarkets and they've now got podcast mics as normal things that people will walk in and buy which is great which that wasn't there even two years ago when i was looking i, w- I struggled to find that i had to go to to Amazon and buy it but even wandering around those tech places now podcast equipment is there on the shelf for you to walk out and buy so that's brilliant progress being made 
Yeah, and all the evidence you need of the growing popularity of podcasts. For sure. Um, so for me, I, I think the investment in kit is the least, the last thing to think about at Zurich. We're, we're kind of still at the start of our pod, in-house podcasting journey. I'm not going to make any bones about being here and saying we're doing a great job of it yet, but we're testing little things here and there. Um, so we've got some strong employee resource groups in, in our in our business supporting different communities. Um, and our Women's Innovation Network, one of the ladies is, who's involved in, in that team, is a she listens to podcasts. She, does, she has a typical London commute, so has that hour of her day each way where she listens to podcasts. Um, she said, I want to do this. Can I do it? And I said, yes, please, please do. Um, and she literally just uses her phone. She meets fellow uh, leaders around the business. She gets in a room, gets her phone out and just records the conversation. You don't need that piece of, you don't need to have the investment to start with. Clearly, if you're going to do it more and regularly and you want the, the audio is clearly the most important part of a podcast. So you need to think about it and listen to it and perhaps invest it. But you don't need studio kit. You've got most of the tools already. Um, and for a, a relatively small £10 investment, you can up your game. And then if you want to go all the way up, it's, it's no less than £100. So, Yeah, I totally agree with that. You can start with ex- exactly what equipment you've got around you. And if you want to build on that, that's great. Um, but if that's working for you and your audience, then, you know, why would you? That you know, That's fine. I think the, the challenge that we've really got is on the taking the audio file and then doing something with it. So whether it's doing some editing, because that's a, a skill set not many people have, Anybody can get a, a phone out, hit record and speak. It's more of a skill set to find people who will do something with that file. Um, if you can't do a one take wonder. So I've done interviews where you just start at the beginning and you end at the end and it's a brilliant piece of audio and you don't have to worry about it. Others, you lose the connection halfway through and we have to pick up and you've got to stop them all together and you've got ums and ahs and you've got people misstarting conversations and you need to just find a way of doing that. So I think I said before, I, I taught myself audacity it looks complex. It actually isn't when I really got my head into it, but just to literally copy and paste and copy and delete. If you want to get rid of those gaps and the, the peaks and the troughs, play around with some some um, audio features to do stuff if you want to, but you don't overcomplicate it. But that is, that is the, I think the investment is more on time in finding the, the editing bit um, to create the final product is probably where I put more time and effort into. It's more about learning how to do it than you know having the tools to do it necessarily. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. So interesting that you're starting to use audio in-house. Has that been a sort of systematic process or is it just naturally occurring as people take the no, lead? No, for us it is naturally occurring. We're a comms organisation, so I've, I've, I, I have sit structurally in different parts of the business, whether it's been in employee comms, whether it's been in marketing or whether it's now I'm in corporate affairs, which is more external facing. So... I always say to people, we don't have a content problem at Zurich and in our organization. We've got loads of content. The chant that the, the issue is getting it into a place and a format and a structure that makes sense for our for our employees. And that is the huge thing with podcasting internally at the moment is there are so many channels that already exist. And my concern is adding another one in might not might work against you because people go i just haven't got time for all this i'm getting the emails that you send out all the time and we're doing stand-up com cells as a team function we've got your intranet you've got your internal social channel we use workplace we've been on yammer so we've got all those things and people are, are struggling on the timing front to get their work done and to receive messages so that's the the piece of work we're doing at the moment so we're trying trying out different ways of audio content for different audiences and we're hitting some stumbling blocks um but we're also hitting, hitting some some positives so the example i mentioned a minute ago 
Claire's doing one on the Women's Innovation Network, talking to other female leaders, and that's working really well. It's not a, it's not a, an investment in time. Um, she's just doing it herself. She's taught herself a few skills, and we're using one of the platforms to do that. As Pod, she's using Podbean, which is a free host to do that. And but we're not worried on that side of things, whether the content is searchable or findable by by anyone. This is a, a female talking to other females about being a female in the business place. We're not talking about Zurich products or services or uh, anything that's confidential. So that's fine for that. Um, on the other hand, we've got two really big communities at Zurich who are home-based and field-based. So we have an engineering population um, who go out and test lifts. So if you ever see, go to your shopping center and, you're, and the escalator is out of action, it's probably one of our guys or girls testing that it works. So we do that sort of thing. Um, and we've also got um, a load of risk engineers. And between them, there's about 900 of these folk in those two different pools who are out looking at businesses or things that we might insure or for councils or for whatever, looking at the risks they're facing. Have they got sprinklers there and all that kind of thing. They're out and about all the time. They're meeting customers. They're on site, checking stuff and doing the brilliant work that they do. But trying to think about the sorts of content that we want to put in front of them, that's probably going to be more internally focused because they're not attached to a computer all the time. So, But they are in the car. Um, so how do we create audio content that's great for them to listen to while they're in between jobs or on their way to jobs, but it's still what I'm classifying in air quotes as internal content that we wouldn't want to be found on Apple Podcasts or Acast or wherever it is that people find stuff. So that's the debate we're having at the moment. And one of the things I was hoping to use was Workplace. So we've just rolled out Workplace to our organization globally. It's going really well as an internal comms channel. But one of the things that Workplace doesn't let you do is attach audio files. So we're having to oh, having to do the reverse of some of the creation is that we're having to overlay an audio file on top of a picture to create a video, which we can then put onto Workplace. But that then defeats the point of having a podcast. So we're, we're going through these challenges to see if our colleagues can still listen to it in the car on workplace. Um, although if they're mobile, they shouldn't be doing that. So we're kind of going through that process to figure out just how we do it. And I was hoping that I might reverse this conversation slide to say, have you got any tips for internal only platforms for for sharing great contents so that the nervousness that people will have internally about talking on the radio is kept just within um, our firewall if you like yeah that's a brilliant question and it's an issue that quite a lot of people are tackling and it's something that puts them off podcasting i think internally is how do we create a walled garden so Mm -hmm. we can allow people to create content we can allow anybody in the organization to create it but we can share it in an environment that we know has got a degree of security wrapped around it so we don't have to worry about confidentialities you know escaping into the public interestingly i've spoken to a gentleman who set up an app called storyboard and it's designed exactly to do that so it's to provide organizations with a platform to share audio content as podcasts but that don't get published externally at all so that's fairly new although Mm. he's got about 100 companies live on his platform that's one way of doing it and i know podbean provide an enterprise solution so you can publish as if you're publishing a podcast but they keep that entirely secure inside your organization um you know, at, at I'm, I'm sure the technology will, will absolutely come to help this out because this is clearly going only in one direction. If you look at the Rajar quarter by quarter results for podcasting, um, as, as along with all the other media out there, the numbers keep going up. And whilst we're still in the early days, the trajectory is, is, is clearly only going in one direction, which is I'm, I'm reflective of that. So I think the podcast channels and, and the 
enterprise solutions that we're all probably using will have to start cottoning into this to to, it will become a thing that we all want as organizations to do that to allow you to to use those platforms for exactly this purpose because the 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 concern that I have, and this is a comp- any any communicator listening to this as an internal will go, but that's another app that we want employees to use. Now, at the moment, my work phone is bursting with apps that I need to use on an internal basis, whether it's just my email, whether it's my expenses system, whether it's workplace, whether it's our employee benefits platform, whether it's our healthcare apps. There's a, I think we've, we came up about 11 different apps just as an employee that I might need within Zurich at the moment. And that's outside of the corporate phone book and all the other things. So um, we get into a bit of app overload, which from a, as a communicator, we want to reverse that. So we need to make it easy for people um, in a place perhaps where they're already going. But that's the challenge I think we're all going going on. Yeah, I agree. And I've spoken to other providers of in-house communications platforms alike um, workplace, and they give me exactly the same response. They, they don't have the facility for sharing audio content at the moment. So the suggestion is that you put a visual file on an audio file. That's one of the things that we need to overcome and find a better solution for as, as you know, in-house communicators. Yeah, but any, any new tech has change curves and we've got to go through it all and we've got to work it out and figure it through. So um, I'm sure we're a clever enough industry to, to, to work through these challenges that will all uh, become a, become winners at the end of it. Yeah, and I guess what's really important is to go back to basics and decide, you know, for all of the complications with sharing audio in-house, what are the benefits? Is it is it a channel that's actually beneficial for people? What would those benefits be? And are they benefits that are worth fighting for? And what, What's your view on that? I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, audio is one of the great things that you can do legitimately multitasking. Um, with an email, you have to open it and you have to read it. That's the only thing you can do with that. Um, with the internet or with workplace, those are dedicated things that you have to do. For those of you listening to this podcast now, you're probably out and about doing a number of other things at the same time. So you can do listen to a podcast while doing your job or whilst walking or whilst driving and all those things. So I think it will become a, a, a go-to place for receiving content. And we're also doing a lot of thinking and trying to get my head around voice at the moment. And um, with the rise of smart speakers, that's the current in vogue trend. Um, you talk to a box in your room and it talks back to you. If it talks back to you, it needs to have it needs to have audio sitting to talk back to you. So there's, there's both market and um, and internal opportunities for voice and therefore audio content that we've all got to get our heads around. Do you think there's a certain type of content that suits audio better than other channels? That's a great question. I think from what I've seen as an experience as, as interviewing people, you can really get authentic communication out of people. Trying to get a leader who's perhaps not a communicator to write in a way that's engaging um, or stick a camera in their face, they get scared of the camera, even though they might be brilliant on a stage talking to a room full of people, but then you do the same thing with a camera in their face, they'll go wooden and do and what we've all seen people do in front of cameras. Audio is changes that. We can have a really good, normal, human-to-human conversation without that scary box in the corner watching you. And I think that brings out the best in people and you get some really good stories. You can clearly hear people engaging with it um, and that makes the receiver go with it even further. I and mean, if this was a really stilted wooden conversation we're having now, most people wouldn't be listening still. But I'm hoping that we've got a dialogue going um, and that comes through in the audio content. And I think that's the sort of thing that comes through. I've seen various 
people doing podcasts in different ways, whether it's the interview conversation style like this um, or the the one-off. And I know in your series one, you did a few where you, it was just you. Um, and I've done a, a few on just um, Advantage Over podcast where it's just me. And I think that puts more pressure on you as a provider than it does to get the content. It's a much harder thing to do. And I'm, I'm, I started out by thinking I would do more of those one-on-ones, but I found them harder than getting on and talking to people. Maybe that's because podcast hosts are inherently extroverty type people who are like to have conversations with people. Maybe that's just the sort of people we are. But it'd be interesting to see if there's any wider re- research out there where people are saying the other way they like the the single audio or the the conversation style. I don't know actually if there's any research on that, but I will try and find it. And I would say at least eighty percent of people go with interview style because they feel more comfortable in a conversation than you know, say, making a presentation. I guess for the purpose of this podcast, a lot of people are used to getting stories out of people. Um, that's our jobs as communicators to find the stories and get them to to tell them. So we're kind of used to that. It's a skill set we probably most of us already have, um, and therefore it becomes an easier part of what we do. So that makes it, I guess, our communicators a good podcast host. There's a uh, there's an yes. episode for another day. Absolutely, I agree. I agree with that premise. And I think um, the fact that people are so keen on any form of authentic communication at the moment it does give you a degree of trust i think in in a in a speaker when you can hear their tone of voice mm. um so I, I agree with you whilst a camera might make people feel wooden and therefore detract from the amount of trust that's in that communication regardless of how genuine it may be when you're on audio and you're released from the pressure of looking at a camera i think your genuine feelings about a topic can come through more clearly so you know i think it's that element of authenticity that people are really enjoying um in audio For content sure. yeah so if somebody out there listening is really keen to start up a podcast or to share more audio content in-house, what would be your pieces of advice for them? I think that a couple of things to think about. One is the channel. So where are people going to find this? And if you have channels existing that already that you can slot audio into, that that might help because you've already got a des- employees and colleagues already have a destination in mind. The next thing is, is, is clearly content. What are the stories you want to use? to tell and to what audience. So if I think about as we've got four and a half thousand people in the UK and we've got lots of different types of audiences, as with anything, it's easy to start small and work it out. So niche your audience, see if there's a particular part of your audience or community that jumps out where audio would work. Think about your home workers, your your mobile your, your drivers, the people that are out and about drivers other than going from A to B, your remote workers are probably the, the core rather than desk base and, and find something that might work for them and just test it and see what works. Getting, getting used to having conversations and recording them and seeing if you can get away without needing to edit it. Because if you don't need to edit it, then that removes that problem of needing to find an editor. If you can just have a 10 minute conversation with people once as a, as a one-off um, and don't be afraid to mess up. If we if we were doing this, if we, we were doing as a as a one take, it'd be fine. People are quite happy in the conversation with your your colleagues over coffee. You might lose your train halfway through that thought, and you're somehow between the two of you having a conversation. You'll pick it back up. So have don't be afraid to do that on on audio because it makes it real um, for for people listening. So all all those different things. So don't overthink it and start doing it. It's probably the best way, even if you never publish it get over the fear of pressing the button um, and then uh, work it all through. I think that's brilliant advice. Absolutely. Just get going and, you know, you'll you'll get better incrementally just through experience. Imagine fast forward five years and in-house podcasting has really taken off. 
What do you think its potential holds? Where could we be if we really grab hold of this channel and use it well? Anyone in communications is trying to get an engaged workforce who understands what's going on in that business, whether it's from top down understands or, or laterally across the business. So I think audio will really help to do that. It brings the opportunity to tell stories, whether they're employee colleague stories or business stories, to a whole audience in a way that everyone can receive. And that feels like something we as communicators are striving for and we've always been striving for. So it feels like this is not a fad. It feels like there's something real here and it's a way of getting your audience together um, to understand what's going on and, and filling that time pressure that we've all got in, in receiving messages. So I think there's an awful lot of opportunity there. And if you've got a, a happy and engaged workforce, all the metrics show that your business goes up. You, you do better business. You do um, you keep people longer. They're out there talking about how proud they are because they understand the business more and that's good for business. So there's always that business ROI element to it as well. We're not doing this because it's a fad. We're not doing this because there's speakers in people's homes. We want to be a better business. And I think audio will certainly help us to do that. That's amazing. I, I completely agree with you. And I, that's what we should keep front and centre all the time, right? Is, you know, that's our aim is to make workplaces work better for people and because of people effectively you know, through our communications. So absolutely yeah great also makes the job of the social media manager a lot better too i guess if you've got a really happy engaged workforce right so. well hopefully because <laughs> um, again if, if, if that all plays out you've got you've got better business you've got better customer service you've got um happy customers and therefore they're not being too angsty but that would make um, life very dull so i quite like the, the different engagement of the positive side of my role and the um and perhaps the the less positive side of stuff as we deal with things and um, and help people out i bet i bet Thanks so much for that, Keith. That was really interesting. And I think we've learned so much from your experience. I'm very grateful to you for sharing it. No, it's a pleasure. It's always good to talk about these things. So we're, we're, we're not there. Um, we're learning as we go. And I find that by just having the conversation that I'll learn as much as hopefully people will uh, pick up um, out there in listener land. Yeah, brilliant. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Keith for sharing those observations and for that helpful focus on stepping into audio creation, not because it's a hot topic right now, but because it will help to create a better business. That's really my biggest takeaway from this conversation. I'm looking forward to having an opportunity to meet up with Keith in person as he's one of the speakers at the upcoming Chartered Institute of Public Relations Inside Conference on the 8th of October in 2019. So yes, that's a day of conference content designed specifically for in-house or internal communications professionals. So if you'd like to come along to that, take a look at the CIPR Inside website. There's a link to that in my show notes. And if you're interested in buying a ticket, you can get a 10% discount thanks to Keith. So if you type Keith10 in the discount code at the checkout, you will get that 10% discount. So let me know if you decide to take up that offer and come along and I'll look you up and say hi when we're there. The links to Keith's Rugby Referee website and his podcast and his social contacts are available on the show notes, which will also give you a written summary of the key points of our discussion. You can find those on our website at beabiggerfish.net. 
I've got plenty more exciting conversations with communications professionals coming up, so I really hope you'll stay tuned for those. And in the meantime, I'd love to hear from you and include your voice on the podcast too. Now, I've been looking into various options for doing that, but I'd like to start off by keeping it really simple. And I'm inviting you to leave me a message on Instagram. That's it. As straightforward as that. If you just follow me on Instagram uh, through Peppermint Fish C, so that's literally Peppermint Fish with the letter C at the end. You can just leave me a voicemail in the direct message area and I will be able to capture your voice and include your question or your comment in a future episode of Be A Bigger Fish. So I'm really hoping I'll hear from you there. If you'd prefer, you are very welcome to drop me a message on social media, one of my direct channels, um, or leave a rating or a review on your podcast directory, which I will read with interest. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I really hope that you learned something useful from it and I'm looking forward to seeing you again soon.